And now, our story begins. It was the first night of Hanukkah. Herschel of Ostropol was walking down the road. He was tired and hungry. Nonetheless, his step was light. Soon he would reach the next village where bright candles, merry songs, and platters piled high with tasty potato latkes awaited him. But when he arrived, the village was silent and dark. Not a single Hanukkah candle could be seen. Is it tonight their first night of Hanukkah? We don't have Hanukkah, Herschel, one of them answered sadly. No Hanukkah? How can that be? It's because of the goblins. They haunt the old synagogue at the top of the hill. They hate Hanukkah. Whenever we try to light a menorah, the goblins blow out the candles. They break our dreidels. They throw our potato latkes on the floor. Those wicked goblins make our lives miserable all year long. But on Hanukkah, it's really bad. Herschel knew that he must help the village people. I'm not afraid of goblins. Tell me how to get rid of them. It's not as easy as you think, the rabbi said. You must spend eight nights in the old synagogue. The Hanukkah candles must be lit each night. On the eighth night, the kings of the goblins must light them themselves. That is the only way to break their power. I'm not afraid, Rabbi. If I can't outwit a few goblins, then my name isn't Herschel of Ostropol. <laughs> the villagers wished Herschel good luck. <laughs> they had no potato latkes to give him, so they packed several hard-boiled eggs for him to eat, along with a big jar of pickles. The rabbi gave Herschel a brass menorah, a package of candles, and a box of matches. Then the villagers said goodbye. Nobody expected to see Herschel again. <laughs> it was long past sundown by the time Herschel climbed to the top of the hill where the old synagogue stood. The crumbling building was gloomy and dark, and rusty hinges squealed as Herschel opened the door. Herschel shuddered. Well, could he believe that goblins lived here? He put two candles in the menorah and set it on the windowsill. He struck a match and lit the shamis candle. He said the blessings and was about to light the other candle when he heard a voice. Hey, what are you doing? Herschel turned around. Here was a goblin no bigger than a horsefly hovering in the air. I'm lighting Hanukkah candles. Tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. Oh, no, it's not. We don't have Hanukkah here. Is that so? Who's going to stop me? A little peep-squeak like you? <laughs> hey, I may be little, but I'm strong. Oh, really? Can you crush rocks in your hand? Crush rocks? That's crazy. Nobody's that strong. I am. But... Herschel took a hard-boiled egg from his pocket and squeezed it until the yolk and the white ran through his fingers. 
That's how hard I am going to squeeze you if you try to stop me from lighting these candles. The little goblin's eyes opened wide, since in the dim light the egg looked exactly like a rock. The little goblin shook with fear. You leave me alone. Gladly, if you would let me light my candles in peace. All right, one night won't make a difference. <laughs> But you better not be here tomorrow. Bigger, scarier goblins are coming. Bigger than I. And if they see you catching or lighting Hanukkah, if they catch you lighting Hanukkah candles, you'll be sorry. <laughs> we'll see about that. Herschel lit the first candle. And now it is time for us to light our chalice flame. Will our lighter and reader please come forward? May the light we now kindle inspire us to use our powers to heal and not to harm, to help and not to hinder, to bless and not to curse, to serve you, Spirit of Freedom. So this morning we're going to sing a song uh, to go with the lighting of the chalice, and um, you can stay in your seats for this. It's a short song, and we're actually going to The three of us are going to sing it to you once, and then we're going to sing it all together three times so that by the end we have it down to an art form. And it's called Rise Up, O Flame. And I, yes, the words are up there. It is also in your hymnal if you'd like to see the notes, okay? Jennifer's going to. Rise up, O Next time we'll do it as a round. <coughs> On the second night, another goblin appeared. 
This one was big and fat and waddled like a goose. Herschel was finishing his dinner of pickles and hard-boiled eggs. Yeah, have some pickles? Pickles. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Catch. Herschel tossed him a sour pickle. The goblin caught it in his mouth and swallowed it. Mmm, pickles are good. Do you like them? I have plenty in the stuff. Take as many as you want. The greedy goblin grabbed as many pickles as his claws could hold. But when he tried to pull his fist out of the jar, he couldn't. <laughs> I'm stuck. You put a spell on this jar to hold me fast. <laughs> That's right. And it's a very powerful spell. You came here tonight to stop me from lighting Hanukkah candles. So now I am going to light them while you stand with your hand in the jar and watch. How do you like that? No! No! I hate Hanukkah! Too bad. <laughs> You'll have to get used to it. Herschel said the blessing and lit the candles, slowly. Then he sang all his favorite Hanukkah songs. The goblin wailed and carried on so much that Herschel finally decided to let him go. Shall I tell you how to break the spell? Yes, yes. I can't stand it anymore. Let go of the pickles. Your greed is the only spell holding you prisoner. The goblin let go of the pickles. His hand slipped out of the jar easily. How that goblin raged. He had stood with his hand in a pickle jar while Herschel lit the Hanukkah candles under his nose. The furious goblin stamped his foot so hard that he shattered into a million pieces. The wind blew them away. And now, if you are willing and able, um, please stand and um, while we sing um, Light One Candle, um, Will Bill and Daryl lead us in that. And it's page 221 in your hymnal if you, if you need it. All right. Am I here? Okay. Lasted for so many years. Don't 
He picked up a pebble and threw it into the sea, and another, and another. He couldn't stop. He wasn't trying to fill the sea. He wasn't trying to empty the beach. He was just throwing away nothing else but. Like a kitten playing, he was practicing for the future, when there will be so many things he'll want to throw away. If only his fingers will unclench and let them go. Haven't we all been that goblin with our hands stuck in the pickle jar? Haven't we all been held prisoner by our greed one way or another, one time or another? It's not just goblins who get stuck like this. Monkeys do too. In parts of India, people catch monkeys with a coconut shell hollowed out and chained to a stake. They put a hole in the coconut shell just wide enough for a monkey's hand to fit inside and then fill the shell with rice. When a monkey puts her hand through the hole to grab rice, that handful of rice makes her hand too big to pull it back out again. Just like the goblin with the handful of pickles, the monkey doesn't realize that if she let go of the rice, she would be free. And this isn't just about monkeys or goblins, but it's about all of us. We might not literally get our hands stuck in pickle jars or coconuts, but we get ourselves stuck. We become prisoners of our own need to hold on to too much. We fall into thinking that having more, that holding on to more, will make things better. If only we had that new job or that new relationship or the new house or the new toy, we would be happy. And then if we have that new thing, we start grasping again for that next new thing, often. Putting our hands back in the pickle jar and coconut shell. If we have enough to live on, if our basic needs are met, 
having more doesn't make us happy. They do studies on this. Even people who win hundreds of millions of dollars in the lottery go back to about the same level of happiness about three months after they've won. I think this is especially challenging for us to remember this time of year. Kids, how many of you are hoping for something special in the upcoming holidays? Maybe some Paw Patrol or Doc McStuffins, Star Wars or My Little Pony, maybe frozen Legos, which I hear are already sold out everywhere, a hoverboard, a new gaming system, and maybe the adults are hoping for something special too, a tablet, new jewelry, something else. And thanks for those of you on Facebook who told me what popular toys are this year, <laughs> because I don't know, and DeForest is no help at six months old. <laughs> so what would it mean to let go of this hope for things, to focus this season on the things that matter that can't be held in our hands? Love of our family and friends, the beauty of the winter should winter ever arrive, and the search for truth and meaning that unites us here at People's Church and with people of goodwill the world over. What would it look like to let go of the parts of ourselves that get awfully close to being a goblin in a pickle, stuck in a pickle jar or a monkey stuck in a coconut? I have one example of what it looks like to let go of what doesn't matter most. This is a story that I first heard from the Reverend Jane Rezka, another Unitarian Universalist minister. It's about a woman on the subway in New York City. And to understand the story, you need to know that when the doors on the subway close, there's nothing you can do about it. One of my friends in seminary had his bag full of his notes at the end of the semester and he tried to, in his hand and tried to stop the subway door and end up having to let go and watch all of his flashcards and class notes go off on the subway. So no amount of prying or pleading will get the subway doors open again. So one winter day, a woman was leaving the subway. She looked back over her shoulder and saw that one of her favorite leather gloves was on the seat. The other was on her hand. And the doors are starting to close, and she realizes that there is no chance that she's going to get back there and pick up that other glove. So what does she do? What would you do in that situation? She takes her other glove. Oh, do we have some answers? What would you do? That's exactly what I was going to say she did. So she took her other glove and threw it through the closing subway doors, and it landed on the seat right next to the other glove. So there was a full set on the seat waiting for the next person. I like that you guys answered the questions. Usually when it's just the adults, I ask questions, and they just think about them and don't raise their hands. <laughs> So thank you. So she recognized in that split second that there is no way for her to enjoy both of her gloves ever again. She recognizes in that split second that if she let go of her glove, if she throws it through the closing subway doors, someone will get a chance to enjoy it. Letting go doesn't do anything for her, but it will mean a lot to the stranger who discovers a matched pair of favorite leather gloves waiting for him on the seat. And what does it look like for us to let go and throw a glove to make sure there's a pair for someone else? It can look like a lot of things. Service, care, love, generosity. We can remember the spirit of these winter holidays, whether the holidays we celebrate this time of year are Hanukkah or Christmas or Yule 
or one of the many other holidays that happen this time of year. We can remember that it's not about presents, no matter how much we want them. All of these holidays are about miracle, mystery, and wonder, about the mysteries of light, the mysteries of birth, the mysteries of cycles and seasons, the mysteries of being alive. So let us all let go. Let us release ourselves from pickle jars and coconut shells and everything else that might be keeping us prisoner in this season. Let us celebrate. Let us be free from greed. Let us be generous. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen. And now is the perfect time to practice letting go. This is our offering. So I invite you to let go of those heavy coins, those heavy bills, those heavy checks, burdening your pocket or your pocketbook. On the second Sunday of the month, we take a special collection for an organization doing good and important work. And today our offering goes to Ministry with Community. Phil Kramer and Rob Oakleaf are here to talk to us a little about this organization, and I encourage you all to give generously. Thank you, Rachel. It is um, both um, uh, traditional and appropriate for uh, the Social Justice Committee to select ministry for the December collection because it is a season of giving and caring. And the ministry certainly provides uh, much, many resources, as indicated in your green slip, uh, for the most economically and socially needy in the community. And so I'll let Rob Oakleaf spell it all out for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday. Um, as you, those of you who have seen me address this congregation before know that this is my, my favorite church to come to, and uh, I usually don't actually share very good information about the organization, but fortunately you had a little green piece of paper. That gives a good rundown. Uh, what I like to do is just listen to the service and then kind of come up with something on the spot. So I am going to give you a quick update. Does everybody know that we're building a new building? Oh, awesome. I love how up-to-date you guys are. So we had a great capital campaign. Thank you to everybody who contributed. We raised over $6 million. We are currently putting up walls. We've got steel going in. It should have a roof soon. All of you should know that uh, this would not have happened without the very, very important work of your friend, Kelly Henderson, who's totally talking to somebody else right now. Now she's going to turn red. Um, she's, yes. She's, uh, she's amazing, and she's all the things that I'm not, and I couldn't do it and wouldn't do it without her. So I'm done embarrassing Kelly for the moment. Um, I do want to share just one quick story, because I know I don't have a lot of time, but it was an interesting thing that happened to me on Thursday, just this past Thursday, where earlier in the day, I had a conversation with a guy who is, comes down and uses our services all the time for the sake of anonymity. We'll call him Mike. And... You know, he's kind of the, the stereotype of a homeless dude. You know, he's got a big beard and not a full set of teeth and he's kind of gruff and rough around the edges. And, uh, and I've seen a lot of him. And then later in the evening, and I think we can make for Mike the argument that he's probably one of, if not the poorest man in Kalamazoo. In the evening, I went to a holiday party and I talked with someone who we might be able to make an argument is the richest guy in Kalamazoo. And for the sake of anonymity, we'll call him Bill. And... <laughs> 
and and my you know my life is interesting. And Bill is the, the stereotypical you know rich dude. He was in a suit. He looked good. He smelled fantastic, and <laughs> and the 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 dichotomy of that um, was so interesting. And uh, bet you can't guess. I had almost the exact same conversation with both guys. Do you know what we talked about? The weather. <laughs> <laughs> and neither conversation was particularly interesting. But in this time, you know, and we, as we talk about those elements of greed and letting go, I think we also really have to consider that everyone, every one of you, everyone that we serve, even rich white people, are people. They're individuals. They have a story. They have a personal experience. They have a perspective. They have love and they have joy and they have loss and they have sorrow. And it's very easy to lump all of these people together into different monoliths. And Last Thursday was just a good example of the poorest guy in Kalamazoo and the richest guy in Kalamazoo. They're having similar experiences in a lot of ways, and it's interesting to talk with everybody, though. Sorry about that. It affects them differently, certainly. Um, but it was just a really interesting juxtaposition in my day and in my life, and it caused me to think about that. So I just wanted to share that story and ask that, you know, in this season, we remember it's not just helping poor people. It's not just helping individuals. It's helping people like Mike, getting Bill to help people like Mike, um, and asking you guys to help these folks who, uh, who are terrific human beings as, as we all are, and uh, not to just lump people together into one collective group. So that's all I'm going to say. Once again, I love seeing you guys, and I will look forward to enjoying the rest of the uh, service. Thank you. Tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good girl you always have to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know Well now they know Let it go, let it go Can't hold it back anymore Let it go, let it go It's 
funny how some distance makes everything seem small And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through No right, no wrong, no rules for me My power flurries through the air into the ground My soul is spiraling in frozen fractals all around And one thought crystallizes like an icy blast I'm never going back, the past is in the bothered me anyway. And now if you will join with me um, in reading our words for the giving thanks, um, they will be printed on your screen and also in the order of service. From the countless gifts we each have been given, gifts of life and love and sustenance, we bring these small portions to share in the works of love, which none of us can accomplish alone. On the following nights, other goblins came. One had six heads. One had three eyes. All were terrible and fierce. They growled and roared and changed themselves into terrible shapes. They tried to stop Herschel from lighting the Hanukkah candles, but Herschel fooled them all. Finally, the seventh night arrived. Eight tiny candles flickered on the windowsill. Herschel sat back to enjoy their light. Where were the goblins? Had they finally given up? Herschel felt very sleepy. His eyes closed. Suddenly, he sat up. He heard a horrible sound, a voice that sounded like the cracking of bones. 
Happy Hanukkah, Herschel of Ostropol. Who is it? Who is it? Who, who's there? Don't you know who we are, Russia? Weren't you expecting the kings of the goblins? The voice rose to a hurricane roar. It ripped the shingles from the synagogue roof and shattered the windows. The Hanukkah candles reeled in the savage blast, but they did not go out. You're too early. You, you're not supposed to come until tomorrow. The great wind died down. Don't worry, Herschel. We are far away, but we have the power to see you and speak to you. Enjoy this Hanukkah evening, my friend. It will be your last. Tomorrow night, we will come for you. You fooled the other goblins. Let's see if you can fool us. Poor Herschel. What was he to do? The kings of the goblins were on their way, and no power on earth could stop them. Unless... Unless... Herschel had an idea. It was a big chance, but he had to take it. It was the only way to save himself. And Hanukkah. It was the last night of Hanukkah. Herschel set the candles in the menorah, but instead of placing it on the windowsill, he put the menorah and the box of matches on a small table near the door. Then he sat down to wait. Night fell. It grew dark as pitch inside the gloomy old synagogue. Outside, the whole world lay cold and silent. Suddenly, a great wind ripped the synagogue door from its hinges. The whole building shook. A fearsome voice spoke. Herschel of Ostropol! Uh, did, I, did I hear something? It is us, the kings of the goblins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be silly. You're the boy from the village. You're trying to scare me. We are not boys. We are the kings of the goblins. I'll believe it when I see it. Show yourself to me. Behold, we stand before you. Do you believe us now? Herschel tried not to look. Even in the darkness, he could see the outline of monstrous shapes filling the doorway. Figures too horrible to describe. He pretended not to care. It's too dark. I can't see anything. Uh, a, a candlestick? And, and some matches are, are by the doorway. Why don't you light a few candles? And then they'll see who you really are. Indeed you shall. <laughs> a match flared. The shamus candle caught the flame. Herschel's blood turned to water at the awful sight before him. But he did not lose courage. He silently prayed. Master of the world. Thou who created the heavens and the earth and the spirits of the air, stand by me now. And as Herschel prays, I invite you all into a time of silence for prayer, meditation, reflection, and stillness. <laughs>
now invite our seventh and eighth graders forward to lead us in a responsive reading. Please join us by saying, we are the light of the world between each phrase in this responsive reading. Some people say that Jesus is the light of the world. We can all be the light of the world if we seek to act in ways that enlarge the realms of love and justice. We are the light of the world. When we share another's pain or offer a comforting ear to a friend in need, we are the light of the world. When we give bread to the hungry or support ways to house the homeless. When we fight temptations to wrongdoing within ourselves and treat our neighbors with respect. When we try to overcome differences with understanding and solve conflict with peaceful means. When we look for good for the good in other people and in ourselves. When we do not stay quiet in the face of prejudice, but speak our minds firmly and gently. When we fight despair within ourselves and side with hope. We are the life of the world. When we use our powers justly and in the service of love for humanity. We are the light of the world. Then Herschel addressed the goblin. I get it. It's, it's, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's still too dark. What are you afraid of? There are plenty of candles. Why not light them all? A hideous hand took the Shamus candle and lit the others one by one. Herschel felt himself growing faint, but he forced himself to look. His eyes grew wider and wider as each candle caught the flame. Six, seven, eight, the kings of goblins stood before him. Now, Herschel, do you know who we are? Be gone or I'll take a stick to you. How dare you speak to the kings of the goblins that way? I'll speak to you any way I please. You have no power. Your spell is broken, see? The menorah is lit. <laughs> you, 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 you thought those were ordinary candles you were lighting. They weren't. <laughs> they were Hanukkah candles. And you lit them yourself. <laughs> the kings of goblins roared with fury. The earth trembled and a mighty wind arose. It ripped off the synagogue roof and blew down the walls. It splintered with great timbers and scattered them like matchsticks. Around the menorah, the whirlwind howled, but the candles never flickered. They burned with a clear, steady flames. The kings of goblins had no power over them. 
the spirit of Hanukkah had triumphed. The great wind vanished as suddenly as it had risen. Herschel rubbed his eyes. The night was still as before, even though the synagogue was gone. Walls, floor, roof, even the foundation stones had vanished, but the menorah remained, standing tall upon the little table where Herschel had placed it. Herschel waited until the last candle had burned out. Then he started down the road that led to the village. Oh, I better hurry. Hurry! I, I, I don't want to miss the last night of what? But there was no reason to worry. In every window, there stood a menorah with nine gleaming candles to light the way. The whole village was waiting for him. I now invite Daryl, Bill, and our children forward for our closing song. And the rest of you, if you catch on and want to join in, please feel free. So, uh, oh, can you hear me okay? Okay. So we want to invite, invite you to stay in your seats for this one so that you can see all the joy and fun going on up here. Uh, but we do want you to sing along with us. And basically, you're going to sing when the uh, kids, when the young people are singing. And um, it's a call and response kind of deal. Some of you have sung this with us before. And even though you're sitting, you still might want to clap or wiggle or do something else that makes you feel good on a gray, but not so cold, December day. Okay. When it's late December, dark and cold, where is the light? When old man here is bending low, where is the light? When the sun runs off to bed too soon, where is the light? And there's nothing but a skinny moon, where is the light? Can you tell me where is the light? morning when I rise, where is the light? And it's dark when my eggs are frying, where is the light? And it's dark when off to work I go, where is the light? And it's dark again when I get home, where is the light? Can you tell me where is the light? Where is the light? I'm dancing like a candle flame. Where is the light? 
And I'm flaming like a fruit flambe. Where is the light? Can you tell me where is the light? Nine little candles, what a sight. They stand in the menorah and look so bright. This one said I want to sway. This one said I'm melting away. This one said I'm still pretty tall. This one said I'm getting small. <laughs> this one said I feel like skipping. This one said my wax is dripping. <laughs> this one says said, I have no more light. This one says, it's the last Hanukkah night. There's a mosh said with the shouts, I'll be the last candle to go out. For eight long days, we did burn. We'll see you next Hanukkah when we return. <laughs> As we leave this service, may we let go of coconut shells, pickle jars, or anything else that is keeping us prisoner. May we go out and be the light of the world and let our light shine. Let us go in peace and go in love.